You're listening to the 9 a.m. Sunday School class led by Pastor Greg Voorhees, Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, on Sunday, July 2nd, 2023. For more information about SVBC, you can visit their website, svbcfamily.com, or find them on all things social at svbcfamily. That was a short morning. I'd, I was here 3.30, 3, 3.30 in the morning running bulletins, so. It was, it's, yeah, I got, I got home, got to bed about 4.30 this morning. That's why I look like this. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, if, if the, um, if I don't get the bulletin done before Jeannie's last day, then, then I do it. Well, I still didn't get a chance to, so I, I, I left home, I guess, about one, one thirty, two o'clock last night. And I got here, and it occurred to me, I, my computer isn't hooked to the printer. So then I had to run to the college and print it off. And I, had, I couldn't find any of it. My laptop was at home, so I couldn't print it in color. But I, but I logged on to four different police computers, including the sergeants, to try to get logged on to the color printer, and none of them did so. Then the one that I did have was running out of toner. That's why they're so light. So then I just came here. I came here, and then I was like at 3, 3.30 in the morning. I was printing off bulletins and folding them things up. All righty. Let's pray and then we'll dig into lesson number five. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for this time. God, as we, now we're going to be looking at the fact that we are witnesses. Lord, if, if there's something here that we need to see, God, we ask that your Holy Spirit highlight that thing so that we can see it and, and learn from you, Father. Lord, we just thank you for Jesus, and may we be more like him every day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're lesson five, our verses, we're on page 80. The, the verse that we're, that we're uh, focusing on now is Isaiah 43, 8 through 10. And it says this, it says, Bring out the people who are blind, yet have eyes, who are deaf, yet have ears. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right, and let them hear and say, It is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. So lesson five. Well, first, before we watch our little video, a video clip, but, uh, a kind of a conversation between John the Baptist and Nicodemus, we have in our little uh, tealary here a witness, a description of a witness, a definition of a witness. To witness is to see, hear, or know through personal experience, to testify to give or offer evidence of. So when we are the witnesses of Christ, through our personal experience, and, and through our personal experience and knowledge, we, we, are, we are testifying about the reality of, of, of Christ and the things that he's done. But we're going to go ahead and watch this short video, like I said, a short you know, exchange between John the Baptist and Nicodemus while John the Baptist is in jail. But first, I wanted to tell you of a miracle that I've seen, but cannot comprehend. And then to make accusations. This is pointless. Clearly, you are not a frothing madman, but every bit as unreasonable. You imprison me and accuse me of being ill-tempered? I am it. not your captor. Do you not understand? This is a Roman cell. I came here to speak to the warden on your behalf. On my behalf? Why are you really here, old man? The official reason? You are a Jewish citizen. If you have broken Jewish law, it sets a dangerous precedent to allow Rome to adjudicate. Uh, and the real reason? The truth? I am far from home. I am looking and Places I would never go because I 
am searching for an explanation for something I... I cannot unsee. No one else knows you're here. So basically what we're looking at here is, is Nicodemus in the story had, had come to John the Baptist, you know, because he was looking for answers. This was, this was if you, if you kind of continue on the clip beyond where the book stops it, the, the Nicodemus is looking for answers. You realize we have a world looking for answers. You, you know, Nicodemus may have been a religious leader. He, he would have been a prominent Jewish leader, but he had seen things. The thing, that, the thing that he was particularly talking about, if you've watched the series, is he saw the pre-Jesus Mary and he saw the after-Jesus Mary and, and it like blew his mind because it's just like, he's like, I, I can't unsee what, the thing I've seen, you, you know, because in the story, again, this is one of these things that were kind of added along the storyline, but it's actually kind of plausible, was in the show, the Romans had Nicodemus come to try to fix her, you know, because she was a problem. And, and then the, she basically scared him and he ran off, you know. But then she saw a, a later he sees a Mary with a very clear mind. And he's like, oh, wait a minute, you, you know, what, what, what's the deal here? And, you know, so he, he'd seen this miracle of, of Mary's deliverance and he wasn't sure, you know, kind of how to, to reconcile this. But we have, a, we have a world that's looking for answers, and we even have a world that sometimes sees miraculous things or interesting, cool things, and they, don't, they qu can't quite understand why it is. And in and, and, and this clip moving forward, John the Baptist then becomes the witness. You know, he, he, he begins to testify on, of, of who Christ is and, and, you know, for, toward, to Nicodemus. And that's kind of the role that's kind of the role that, that, that we should be filling, to be this, this witness to, to the world. Looking at page 82, let's look, it says blind eyes. It says, many things vie for our attention. We have set goals and five-year plans, opinions and political affiliations, needs and responsibilities, relationships and reputations to maintain, and specific ways we want our lives to unfold. But what we prioritize and pursue tends to also be where we place our hope. Hope for happiness, steadiness, wholeness, and the like. Turns out there's nothing new under the sun because the people in Jesus' day also had a tendency to misplace hope. In episode 5 of The Chosen called The Wedding Gift, the parents are hoping for a union that will benefit their children and a celebration that will secure their standing in the community. The newlyweds are hoping for a happy, healthy life together full of love and children and, full, and fulfilled dreams. The disciples are hoping that Jesus will interrupt the festivities and make his messianic debut and, and, and uh, accelerate their emancipation from Rome. And the wedding attendees are hoping for a really good party. And nothing is wrong with any of it except when it, except when it intrudes with their ability to see and then do. So question number one, it says, what are your main priorities in life? Meaning, what things do you spend the most time and energy pursuing? And again, this, I like this. No Sunday school answers. Just be honest. So what are your main priorities? What are the things you spend your time and energy pursuing? Keep, keeping me straight. That's a full-time job. I would not want that job. No. 
And I was trying to hook it up there. I was banging my mic. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, we, when we get older, we pray a lot about where is this, Lord, and what did I come to this room for, and you know, all that good stuff. Find me a parking place. And, uh, yeah, that's a real thing. You know, I want that product. Have it there for me, Lord. Because <laughs> I don't have to go anyplace else for it. I wear it now. <laughs> you tire the Lord out. So maybe, maybe on the seventh day he did need a rest. You never know. <laughs> oh, my. Anybody else? I, I, think, uh, I think a lot of us, too, we pour a lot of energy into to our jobs, livelihood. You, you know, the it, it's... It's kind of an, I don't even want to call it a necessary evil because it's not evil, but it's, it's, it's one of those things that sometimes it, it's hard not to focus attention on the thing you do to make a living. You, you know, until you, you hit that glorious time when you can actually retire. Of course, it seems like everybody I know that retires always ends up doing something anyway, <laughs> you know, because then they get bored. You, you know, but the, um, um, I, I think for a lot of people, I, I think that. That job thing, they pour a lot of attention to. You know, for, for some, maybe that's where they're laying, laying their hope in, hope for a secure future. You know, that's. Uh, I have to admit, even even for me going to the college and to take on supervisory roles, there was a degree of because I don't like supervising. You know, as, as, much, as that might sound. But it, it, it's oh, I don't I hate supervising people, you know I, I I love I love being in the field where I'm accountable for myself, and, and helping protect my 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 partner, but not being responsible for them. The but I realized I had to put my my to a degree some of my hope into my retirement and, and the VRS the Virginia Retirement System they base your retirement on your top three years of earnings. So I thought, okay, I'm, I'm getting closer to the end. I need to start climbing the ladder so that my retirement looks better. So, so I, I, I've put, maybe I'm putting hope in, you know, in, in the retirement system of Virginia. I'm, make, I'm making life decisions and, and, and career decisions based on my hope in the Virginia retirement system. I, I think that might be the case for a lot of people. You know, families, you know, they... You pour a lot of. Keep in mind, you know, being engaged with your family is not a bad thing. That's a good thing, you know. But is that where you're putting all of your hope? Is that where you're putting your trust? Is that where you're? Because even family, even family can get a little get a little hinky sometimes. I mean, even family sometimes can let you down, and 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 sometimes they can hurt you more than anybody else because because of that hope and trust you put in them or the love that you have for them. So it's it, it's kind of a you know, so what we place our energy, time, and hope, we, we have to be responsible. Like I said, spending time with your family and, and focusing on your job, these are responsible things. But our hope still needs to be in Christ. You know, because my job, you, I could break my arm and, 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 you know, fortunately they worked something out for me. You know, it didn't look like... It didn't look like I was going. My leave was going to be gone. I didn't know if I was going to be getting paid for the next couple of weeks. So, so is my job the best thing to put all my hope in? <laughs> no, <laughs> you, you know, is the, the uh, it, it's you know families the you know the divorce rate is in America. It's, it's uh, years and years ago we crossed kind of that fifty percent divorce rate thing. So, you know, it, it's can is that something that? And again, I'm not trying to. I'm not, the point. I'm not trying to make it sound like you shouldn't put, you know, hope and energy into your family. I'm just saying, that so many of these things can can sometimes be a little bit shaky. The only thing that's not shaky is, is the Lord. He, he's the only thing that it doesn't matter what age you are, what phase in life you are, what socioeconomic status that you have. Where you're living, the environment, the, the economic environment, the you know the the world environment. There's a lot of things on it. Doesn't matter what all of these things are going on. It doesn't change God. God is the only thing that is 100 percent consistent. 
It doesn't matter. None of those factors make any difference. You know, the, the, the Lord is the only thing that we should be putting 100% of our trust, hope, and, 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 and as much energy as we can because He's the one thing, and He's the one person. I don't like the word thing when you're talking about God. He's the one person who, who won't let you down. He, he's the one person who, it doesn't matter what life is throwing at you, he's, he's an anchor. It doesn't matter, even if your countries are going to war, he's the, he's the one thing that can remain stable in chaos. And we've got a lot of chaos in our world. You know, and that's one of the reasons the world is looking. It's one of the reasons we need to be witnesses, to witness the people because there's so much craziness going on, people are looking for stability. And, and, and God offers stability in a very unstable world. I mean, look at the Ukrainian people. You know, two years ago, I figured, you know, they were probably figuring, hey, we're, we're doing all right. You know, we're, we're the number one producer of sunflowers in the world, and, you know, we're doing pretty good. And, and we've got nuclear energy, we have all these things, and look how quickly things can turn around. You know, I would certainly hope nothing like that would ever happen to America, but it's possible. You know, nobody, look at the Roman Empire. You know, the Roman Empire was the baddest thing out there for a long time. Well, I mean bad, I mean just they were tough. I mean, I, there's a reason why the Messiah came in the, during the, the reign of the Romans, because, uh, I mean, we if, if we would go to war with Rome without God's, God's uh, the, the old Rome, without God's intervention, I mean, we, we, we'd have our hands full if we could beat them at all. I mean, they were tough guys. But, but it's, you know, so even America is, is, is kind of at that, we can't, we can't always assume that, that, that you know, the old glory here will always fly. He, you know, so we can't even put our trust in that 100%. Because if you look at the end of time, in fact, there was, doesn't the Bible tell us that all nations are going to come against Israel? I mean, I've seen, like I said, I've pointed this out, that, that we've had a, uh, I've seen a lot of Christian fiction where it has kind of like the Armageddon scene, and the Americans show up and help save the, the you know Israel, and it's like that's not what the Bible says, you know. So even if we're, you know, even if we still stand as a country when that day comes, we're going to be on the wrong side. Of course, mind you, this is after the rapture of the church. So I mean, it, it, America's no country is going to look like what it does right now after the rapture. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And that's another reason why you really can't put a whole lot of faith in anything other than Christ. What happens when the rapture happens? You know, what, what's the world going to look like then? God is still, after the rapture, God's still God. After the rapture, He's the only thing. He, he will be the only pillar of consistency that exists here. You know, so we have, to, we have to be careful where we place all of our hope and trust. You absolutely can. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody else want to share anything? Bill? So we were, you were talking about us with, uh, you know, focusing on things around us, people around us. You know, I, I, I was thinking about it the other day. I'm, I'm at the point in my life where I'm Necessity, you know, to a certain point. Mm -hmm. But uh, sometimes I 
force myself maybe in the morning to, to uh, look into God's Word and to read that and to, to, and to pray. So uh, it's, it's kind of a thing where this other just pulled me away. And Absolutely. Then, of course, I have, uh, we have you know, a couple of family that are you know, older also. And uh, like one, one day this week, I, I took one of my brother in laws to over to Fort Detrick. Maryland to, uh, you know, have a procedure at the medical facility and so on, things of that nature. And of course, you know, children, grandchildren, a couple of grandchildren there helped me do some things this week and come to help again. So, you know, we're drawn away by that, we're pulled away, which is not, not a bad thing. away from studying the Word of God sometimes when you really should. Sometimes there's things that I need to fix. I want to get to it and get it done. Uh, older vehicles and so forth, you know, they break down. So anyway, the thing is uh, um, good things can draw us away from the Lord as mm-hmm. well as you know, evil things. And as you said, you know, a lot of Absolutely. And we have to discipline ourselves in a lot of ways. And a lot of times I fail to do what I'm supposed to do at the time I'm supposed to do it. And sometimes I have to submit to it and it, things seem to flow better. No, I absolutely agree. The the I think the the illustration that that we see in and again the Mary Martha kind of thing the I think that's more I think that had had it has this obvious message you, you know you know with Martha she can be so busy 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 doing the work for the Lord that she that she kind of missed that time of being with the Lord and that's a good thing you, you know serving the Lord then, but then there was kind of you know Mary who she was almost didn't do anything because that's all she wanted to do was spend spend time with the Lord. I, you know we're seeing this this comparison these two different types of people, but I'd almost have to wonder if there's also a, a, a another layer of the story that, of how we need to wrestle with that even in ourselves. You know, kind of wrestling with that Mary Martha thing. You know, being responsible. He, you know, and, and doing the responsible thing, but still finding that way to carve out that time, you know, for the Lord. So, so I, I think there's there's another layer to that Mary Martha lesson, other than just these two different types of personalities or these two different types of people. I, I, I think I think as believers that we struggle with the, what, what I would kind of call the Mary Martha syndrome. You know, finding that balance between responsibility and, and, and time with the Lord. Because the reality is, the, the we do need to have that responsible time. Because if if we're not, the Bible also talks a lot about good stewardship. You, you know, the even in the parables of like the servants. You know, the servant goes away, gives each one of the servants so much money. You know, the you know to take care of his stuff, and and, and you know there was there, there was the servant that worked hard for him, and he was greatly rewarded, and. Then there was a servant that worked a little bit harder for, not quite as hard, but you know his his reward was a little more of a meeting. Then there was a guy that didn't do anything; he just buried his the money in the ground, and, and he was in trouble. He, you know, so so the Lord does expect us to have that Martha time in their lives because we're, we're called to be responsible. We're, we're called to be responsible not only with the things that the Lord has given us, but with the, the, this idea of being a witness to the world. That's what the that's what the whole the whole idea of the Great Commission is, he, you know, is, is witnessing to the world, you know, baptizing, teaching, he, you know, you know, making other disciples, he, you know. So, absolutely, good things can draw us away. You know, particularly you, you see this with especially full time ministers. You, you know, it, it, you know, they can get so busy, busy, busy with with the work of of ministry that you know they often don't carve out that time that they need 
with the Lord Himself. He, and, and that's and what's really bad about that is that, that's when these folks really start kind of missing missing the mark because you, you can't you can't lead a ministry or a church without that that one on one time with the Lord. You, you just can't do it. You, you, you know, you can you can go you, you can go to school and get advanced degrees and learn how everything's supposed to work, and you can try to lean in your knowledge, but but that's still not going to that 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 pastor, you know, that that ministry leader, that whatever that position is, if if they if if they are all Martha 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 and don't have some of that Mary time, even though their work is a good thing. It, it can it can start making them miss the mark and really kind of miss the purpose for even why they're doing what they do. You, you know, so absolutely good things, good things can draw you away probably more quickly than not so good things, because it, it's easier for us to even justify, you know, our, our our inattention to the Lord as long as we're doing good stuff. You know, I, I think it. We can, we can it almost, we, it's easier for us to do, you know, so the good stuff, the good stuff can, can pull you away even faster in, in many cases because the, because the wrong stuff, you know, the, when it, when it's obvious that these are things that, you know, that are taken away from the Lord that aren't good things, I, I mean, not only would you have the Holy Spirit, even your common sense, you know, kicking, it's like, well, you know, wait a minute, I need to, I, I need to spend more time with the Lord. You, you, you don't. You don't have that as much when you're doing honorable things. You, you know, you can justify, you can justify that that lack of time with the Lord. Then it doesn't make it right, but it's easier to justify. Any any other questions, comments, Jim? Well, thinking about what Sue said, too. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times when we sing hymns, we know we do one and two, or maybe just the first one. Or something. Hmm? That was pretty powerful. Oh, absolutely. He doesn't fail in that. The covenant that he has with us was sealed with the blood of Christ. So, I mean, there's there's no there's no stronger glue to hold something together than that. <laughs> you, you know the you know a covenant that he's made with us that was sealed by the blood of Christ. I mean, that's that, that's a uh, that's a pretty powerful covenant. He's he God doesn't fail in little things. He certainly doesn't fail in big things. <laughs> you, you know, so that. You, you can put your trust in that covenant. Did you have something, Barbara? I was just thinking, I mean, what Bill was saying, God has blessed every one of us here. We all have homes. Mm -hmm. But we don't really own any of it. It's all the Lord's. We're just being a steward of what he's given us. And don't you think that he expects us for the things that he does allow us to have materially, that we should take care of it and not just think, oh, well, if it wears out, I'll go buy something else. I, I feel that whatever I'm allowed to have for the day I die, that it's the Lord's and I'm going to take the best care of it I can. It doesn't mean I'm going to be home like cleaning my house and doing the laundry on Sunday morning when I should be in church or, or doing that when I should have devotions. But we should take care, to me, of what the Lord has given us. Mm -hmm. You think? Yeah. And, uh, and I've, ne I've often wondered, I know the Bible, to me, the Bible teaches that you tithe on money but what about your time? Is there a time limit on that? Should we give the Lord two hours and 40 minutes a day? Or how is that? I, I think we should be thinking of the Lord throughout the day, but I think I personally take set time aside because I don't sleep and I can get up early and all that good stuff. The only reason I would say that I don't see a, a, a biblical precedent or a standard for that would be is, you know, kind of look at what was the purpose of the tithe? 
you know, kind of kind of had a t kind of a twofold role. One, it was because you know where your where your treasure is. That's that's where your heart is. So that that was one of those things where he wanted to make sure that he had the he had the kind of the the the, the your attention on on the the stuff that's most important to you. But what did he use the tithe for? He, you know, it was to support the church. You know, more specifically in the Old Testament context, it supported the priests and and and, and the temple. So so it was it was one of these things that you know. So I, if you want to tithe your time, I don't see anything wrong with that. I, I'm just not. I'm just saying there's not really a a biblical precedent that w that would that would point to that. It was always. It was the, always the first fruit. The, the tithe was on the first fruits of, 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 of your, for them, it, whether it was the crops, it was basically your income. You, you know, and that was the, uh, but no, any, any, any time that you, if anything you want to tithe on, it's not a bad thing, but, but when, we, when we think about the tithe, um, it, it, it was that, that, that income for the purpose of supporting basically the work of God. So, so that's. Uh, so I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying that. No, yeah, yeah. It, it's particularly when when it comes to stewardship of the stuff that he's given us. I, I mean, that's 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 just kind of a. That's almost kind of a. a in my mind, just kind of a given, you know, like the church. You know, it's he gives us a building; it's our natural responsibility to take care of the building. You know, he gives us a car; he, you know, it's kind of our responsibility to keep up the car, especially if you have a money pit. Hey, my truck's running right now. Yes, oil changes and different things. Hey, my my money pit is running just fine right now. She, she's she's pretty healthy at this at this current moment. <laughs> Anything else? All right. So let's look at eighty three. The Old Testament context. As we spent some time talking about the exodus of God's people from Egypt, but the miracles didn't start there. Before Moses found the courage to enter Pharaoh's throne room and demand the release of the Israelites. God met him in the wilderness. Exodus 3, 1 through 14 says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he left his flock on the west side of the wilderness. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, But I will be with you. And Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Of course, we know this, this translated in Hebrew is Yahweh. You know, I am who I am. And do you realize, out a little bit of Bible trivia, do you realize that this is the, the first time in this conversation with Moses that God ever told anybody his name that, that, that's recorded? 
Not even to Abraham. We all know he may have told Abraham his, his name. That's not recorded anywhere in the Bible. But it doesn't. So it appears, though, that not even Abraham knew God's name, but, but you know, with Moses, you know, this relationship he had with Moses. And it might have been just the fact that he asked. You know, maybe nobody before Moses even asked. I don't know. But what is the significance of I am who I am? We'll finish reading here. Let's, let's, let's look at the uh, little teal writing. It says, I am who I am. This divine name, as it's called, comes from the Hebrew letters, the equivalent of YHWH. That's why, that's why you'll, that's the, the difference between transliteration and translation is a, a transliteration is, is you take the actual characters in the one language and you kind of apply the host language letters. That, that's why you'll see um, YHWH. That's a transliteration from directly from Hebrew, where in the English it's, it's, it, we spell it out the way we would. The, the um, um, I think on my on my truck, I think I have all, oh, but I have it in Hebrew. I say I have it YHWH out of my truck, but it's it, it's, it's it's actually in the Hebrew letters, in which we get the the English derivative of Jehovah. So when we hear the name Jehovah. Um, we hear the name Jehovah, it's the same as Yahweh. Jehovah is just kind of the English translation of, of Yahweh. And the, uh, um, so when you hear you know, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah, all, all these different names where you know, we attach Jehovah and, and then another Hebrew attachment like, like, like Jehovah Jireh, which is you know, our provider, Nisi, all these different things. It, it is saying that I am. I am your healer. I am your provider. I am all these, you know. So, so it's 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 a really cool name because you can attach just about every good thing that you can imagine and attach it to Jehovah. <laughs> you know, I am your rock. I am your fortress. I am, you know. So I am is I am who I am is 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 is, is, is kind of a cool thing. Or even just that translation, I am who I am, basically he's saying, I am God. I am, I am the God. You know, I am, I'm, I'm the man. You know, so that's kind, of a, that, that's kind of a cool name, in my opinion at least. Reading on in 84, it says, It was a tall order. The pharaohs of Egypt were not only kings, they were considered to be gods on earth. To stand in front of one and demand anything would have been a death sentence. But Moses had been in the presence of the one true God. He was an eyewitness and couldn't deny what he'd seen or neglected or neglected to do what he'd been told. Moses was called to serve the king of kings and to appeal to Pharaoh on his behalf. I am who I am was the name God gave himself because it's, lim it's limitless because no single word could ever capture the fullness of his character. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, which meant the guy who, who put Israel in, this in the chains was about to face off with the one who could squash him like a bug, and ultimately did. Fast forward about nine centuries when, when Isaiah was appealing to the nation of Israel on God's behalf. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me that no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. Time and time again, Israel had seen God's power on display in Egypt, through the Red Sea, into the Promised Land. They'd seen God gather, protect, provide in the most miraculous ways, but did not, but, but did not uh, for their own sake. As witnesses, they were to use their first-hand knowledge to testify to the character and the very existence of the one true God, to appeal to the people around them who were worshiping false gods and believing things that weren't true. That was the end game, just as it is when Jesus performed miracles. And we see, and we see this all throughout the Old Testament. You know, the, the, the Hebrew parents were actually instructed to, to relay these stories, to tell these stories, you know, to their kids. You know, because it's not because, 
I guess one could ask, you know, why does God, why does God want us talking about what He's done so much? Because we still talk about the Red Sea, you know, we still talk about the Exodus, we still talk about the exiles. You know, why does God want us talking about this stuff? Is it because, you know, you know, He just likes to hear about Himself? I, I, I don't think that has anything to do with it. I, I, these miraculous things that he's done, that he's done, are are witness, are witnessing to us about his abilities. So when we talk about God parting the sea, I don't think God's all that worried about you know being patted on the back about this cool thing as as much as it is for us to know that God has the ability that when we face our Red Sea. We have to remind ourselves, he's done it before. He can do it again. You, you know, when, 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 the people been, when his people were carried off into exile, he, you know, is, is God wanting to pat in the back about you know, Nehemiah and, and, and bringing his people back? I, I don't think as much as that, again, is, is to remind us. He has the ability that even when we are spread apart, he has the ability to bring us back together. It, it, all of, these, all of these stories in the Old Testament, they all witness to God's ability to meet us where we are to help us overcome what we're facing. That, that's, and that's so important. So when we, when we talk about these stories over and over and over and over, it, it's, it's, it's to encourage us. It, it, yeah, God needs a pat on the back about these things. Not, not because... Just because he deserves it. I mean, he did some really cool stuff. You know, he did stuff that only he could do. You know, so it's not a bad, it's a good thing to pat God on the back. That's not what I'm saying. But these stories are just as much for us to be reminded that he is I am. That it doesn't matter what that thing is. You know, think about him him calling Moses to go to Pharaoh. You know, we, we, we know, we know his history. We know he would have known Pharaoh. You know, even if you didn't see the Ten Commandments, <laughs> you know, the Charlton Heston version, the good one, even if you didn't see that, even if it, even if it didn't quite pan out, it, we, we, there's so many pieces that we don't know. But we do know that he was raised in the courts of, of, of Pharaoh at the time. So he would have known. He would have known. He, he would have been probably raised with, you know, the Pharaoh that he had to go face off against. And he would have known being raised Egyptian, he would have known the, 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 the ability of this man that he probably grew up with had the ability to squash him. You know, but why would he do it? Why would he do it? He was living a good life. Man, he got himself a wife and he's taking care of Jethro's sheep. And not, I mean, he's out, he's not, he's out there and not, not a lot of stress. He's just, man, this is living the life, man. I'm just taking care of my sheep and and, and, and hanging out with, with Jethro, and, and, and I've got the like, what, what would encourage him to give that up? It, it, to go to Pharaoh? Because God had called him to be his witness. And, and I'll tell you that a, a burning bush that speaks to you that's not consuming, that's, that's a pretty, that's a, pretty uh, that, that's a motivator. That, that, that's, that would be this, okay, this has to be a God thing. I think for me to leave his situation to go to Pharaoh, for me to do it, it would take something that big. You know, I'd have to know. It wouldn't be one of these things that I really believe God is leading me down. No, God would have to tell me. <laughs> I mean, I would need that voice out of that burning bush. No, you're going to go. You're going to tell him, set my people free. You know, and. And we see that he, you know, he wasn't wild about the idea. Well, wait a minute, I can't do that. I'm not. I don't have eloquent speech. You know, I don't have this. I don't have that. Moses came up with all these reasons why he wasn't qualified to be that guy, which speaks another huge lesson. You know, it doesn't matter how qualified you think you are to do something. If God has called you to do it, when you are doing that thing, He's with you. God has the ability to qualify anybody. You, you, you know, I, I know this is an old cliche thing from probably even before the 80s. The 80s, when I really started hearing it, though, is, you know, God doesn't call the qualified. 
he qualifies the call. You know, so that's the uh, uh, that's that, that was probably that was probably a, 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 a bit of a reality from Moses. But but the uh, uh, I mean that would have been a scary that that's that, that's that would have been a scary thing for him. But he did what he did because God told him to do it. Sometimes we are called to be his witnesses, even when it scares us. He had a reason to be scared. You know, and this, keep in mind also the uh, what if you were the what if you were the Israelites? What what would you have seen? How would you have seen Moses? How would you have remembered Moses as being one of the Egyptian guys? You know, because when he was in Egypt, it, it, it wasn't till it wasn't till he killed an Egyptian and all these things started unraveling. Until that happened, the Egyptians would have seen him as one of them. So all the Israelites would have seen him as the enemy. Well, then when it kind of came to, you know, the, the light was kind of being shed on what happened. Now he would have, and he killed an Egyptian, he would have been seen as an enemy by the Egyptians. So this guy is going into an environment where both sides would have been hostile toward him. You know, and that was, in fact, that's, that's, that was one of his questions. Well, you know, what, your people, when I tell your people, you know, who am I supposed to say you are? You know, because both sides. And that's something that we don't really even think about much. We think about him, you know, going in there to, you know, to free the, the Israelites from Egypt. Nobody's ever really, I've never heard anybody talk about the fact that he would have been seen as probably as the enemy by them. You know, what, would you trust this guy? You watched, you watched him raise up, be raised up in the, the courts of Pharaoh. You know that would have been a that would have been a talk. Only God could have pulled that off. Only God could have caused them to trust Him. Only God could have pulled Pharaoh, letting them go. Uh, I mean, so we have those things in our lives. We have things in our lives. At some point in their lifetimes, we 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 are put in situations that only God, that only God can fix. And then what what are we called to do then? We're called to be his witness. I was in an impossible situation, but God. My, my back was to the sea, and my enemy was coming to destroy me, but God. I was wandering around in a, in a wilderness for 40 years, could have starved, but God. I only had a pair of shoes that I brought with me out of Egypt, but they lasted me for 40 years and didn't even wear out, but God. You, you know, all of these things are, 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 oh my goodness. And then the, when you start going into the conquering, conquering the promised land, you know, we were really kicking those guys' butts, but we were running out of daylight, but God. Made, this, made their description, their description, I'm not exactly sure scientifically how this works, but their description was that the, the sun stood still. They got an extra day in there. You know, and, and, and the, the cool thing about that is, is and the, let's go back to science. I love science. If you look at people who, 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 who gauge time and, and, through, and they track it through history and, and, and they use the stars and all these things that are supposed to, and, and, and how they figure out this leap year thing, you know, you know, the makeup for this time. There has been scientists who've said that there's a problem with the equation. And this is like a real thing. This is something I've read probably 20, 20, 30 years ago, but it was a real thing. In their equations, they're like, there's, there's, there has to be, there has to be an error somewhere in their numbers in, in the tracking of time. Because when we, when we track it back, there's a day missing. <laughs> I can tell you where that day is. Joshua could tell you where that day was. But God, you know, so these, we are called, we are called to be God's witnesses of these but God moments. God not only does them, God does these but God moments for a number of reasons. Yeah, I know it's, <laughs> she hasn't, she hasn't tapped her wrist yet, but I was looking at her, it's about time. She's my wife, she's my timekeeper. God does these but moments, but God moments for a few reasons. And I'll, I'll end with this and we'll pray. He does do these for the glory of his son. 
No, don't get me wrong. You, you know, we are supposed to exalt Christ for the things that He's done. We're, you know, He 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 is God. You know, but these but God moments are for the exaltation of Christ. They are for your benefit. They are to get you past your Red Sea moments. But they are also for other people. These but God moments in your life are so that when other people have their back against the the Red Sea, you can say, well, I was in this situation, but God. So it's for the exaltation of Christ, it's for your benefit, and it's to give a hope to a hopeless world. Those but God moments, they benefit us all. You know, they give God His due, they, give, they get us through, and they give hope to a place where there's no hope. And that's even biblical. You know, we're, supposed to, we're supposed to give people the, the share of the hope that we have so that they, can, that they too can, can have that hope. You know, that, that, that's but God. Alrighty, so let's, let's pray and we'll get ready for our service. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, Lord. I, I thank you for those but God moments. I thank you that you've gotten us through the, these Red Sea moments, these wandering moments, these moments of, of you calling us to do something too big for us to do on our own. We thank you for those. We thank you that we have an opportunity to, to boast in Christ because of these things, not of ourselves we can't do it on ourselves, that these are opportunities for us to boast on Christ. Lord, we, we thank you that, that, that when we get to these moments ourselves, that, that you interact with us and, and that, you, that, that you lead us and that you guide us and you get us through these crazy times. And this, Lord, we thank you for being a, a, a stable place, a safe place in an unsafe world, in an unsafe life. God, and we ask that we can use those but God moments to, to further your kingdom by sharing our hope with others. Lord, when we ask for those opportunities and when those opportunities come to share that hope, God, let the Holy Spirit just, just poke us a little bit to share. It's so easy sometimes to keep our mouth shut when the thing that we should be doing is sharing. God, we love you. We appreciate you. God, make us more like Jesus, we pray in his name. In the name of Jesus, amen.